Okay, I want to remind you again just to expect opportunities from the Lord uh, this year. Opportunities where he's going to want to use you. Maybe instantly on the spot. Or maybe something he'll unfold to you. And probably if you're like me, your first answer will be no way. Absolutely not. But that's good because then you'll be totally dependent upon the Lord. But I'm serious. I believe the Lord is going to give us. Now, when I'm saying opportunities, I know that there are plenty here in the church if you actually want to get involved in the ministry. But I'm, I'm not being that pastor and pushing that. I'm talking about opportunities out there. But however, whenever, whatever. All right. This morning, I t- or tonight, I've entitled the message, um, The Big Picture. And I, I think that we suffer so badly from the American gospel that we miss the big picture. Um, when I sing that song and sing about what he did for me, uh, like I said, it takes my breath away. It just, just amazes me. And that song is just beautifully laid out. And then I think about how the American gospel has turned that all around, that it's about us. And it's been that way for such a long time now that we miss the big picture. We really do if we're into this thing about us. And so that's what I want to try to... Um, Reveal to, to us tonight, just like Anita prayed, was perfect. But God, you've got to open our eyes. A, a message is not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. It has to be something supernatural. It has to happen that we actually start to see this big picture and yearn to be a part of it. All right, so first one is 1 Corinthians 9, uh, chapter 9, verse 19. This will be New King James. Paul states this, he says, For though I am free from all, listen to these words now, I have made myself a servant to all, that I might win more of them. We live in that that American gospel, you know, where people are just free to do whatever they want. I'm free to do this, I'm free to do that, I'm free, free, heard that all my life. Well, but look at what Paul says. He said, "I, I know I'm free. I'm free from all that stuff, but... I have made myself a servant to all that I might win more of them. It's exactly what he's taught, what we need to be. Paul was free to do what he wanted. But bringing people to Christ was more important to him than using his freedom selfishly. I can do what I want. And in America, we, we seem to just do what we want. In our lives, in our conducts, in our camps, like we talked about a week or so ago. But let's look at this big picture. Verse 20, he says, to the Jews, I became a Jew. He wanted to understand them, know about them, learn about them, so that he could possibly reach them. This is the heart that we should have. He said, to the Jews, I became one in order to win them. To those under the law, I became as one under the law. He says, though not being myself under the law, he knew where he stood. He said that I might win those under the law. 21, he says, to those outside the law, I became as one outside the law. 
He said, even though not being outside the law of God, but under the law of Christ. What he was saying, I want to understand all facets of people in their lives. For this one sole purpose was to win them. To win souls. He said, to the weak, I became weak. That I might win the weak. Look, I have become all things to all people that by all means I might save some. Total opposite. It seems like of the American Christian. The most evil trinity is me, myself, and I. And we, we put Satan and, and uh, all that trinity way behind us. This me, myself, and I has just about literally destroyed the church and the kingdom of God in America. It really has. It's a shame. Look what 23 says. I do it all for the sake of the gospel. I do it all. Listen to me now. I probably have the freedom and will still make heaven if I go out and drink. But I've chosen not to because I know what it reflects. I know what it seems to have, the air around it. And I do it all for the sake of the gospel. This is what we need. Just one little instant. Just one little thing now because it's hipster to drink and be a Christian. It's ridiculous and sickening. And my question to you is, what happened to these kind of people? These kinds of servants that will say, I'll pay the price. Count me in. I know I could, but for the sake of the gospel and my neighbor, I won't. That's the big picture. Whatever I can do, whatever it takes for the sake of the gospel. That's what Paul's heart. And that's what's being exposed right here in this beautiful chapter. In this church age, we are living unto ourselves. We really are, if we be honest. Years ago, I preached a message called the Me Church. Who remembers that? And that's exactly what we want. Oswald Chambers. Anybody read him or still do? Fantastic. Man of God. He said, the destined end of man is not happiness nor health, but holiness. That's what it is. We are to be holy. This is what the the gospel is. We are trying to make our life about us. And that's the total opposite of the gospel. This, This life, it's his life. He can do what he wants with me. Send me where he wants. End my life when he wants. But we try to make this life about us. But so, if you're miss, we miss the big picture. That's why most of American Christians are usually prune faces or they're just sad or doing nothing, really got not excited for the things of God or hearing the voice of God or God talk to me. Because we're just so inbred. And it's a false gospel. Philippians 2.13, look at it. It says this. For it is God which worketh in you. Look, both to will and to do of His good pleasure. Now hang on to your leather Bibles. If God wants to call you to suffer for Him, He will. 
If you are to be a shining light in the midst of an unbelievable trial, he'll call on you. Put that on TV, the word channel, and see how much video people you'll get, or TV watchers. New Living Translation, maybe even a tad plainer says, for God is working in you, isn't he? He should be. Look, giving you the desire and, to, and the power to do what pleases him. It's not what pleases you. It's what pleases him. <laughs> you understand? You're the wretch that's getting the treasure. You're the one that says, I can't give an answer. I don't know why he did it for me. So don't lose this big picture of this powerful ability that God has given us right here. On the main street. It's for his pleasure. That's why we must look at this big picture. Every time I try to look at the big picture, it's my big face keeps getting in the way. What about me and myself and I and my age and retirement? What my need, my back, my, my, my. Jesus said, now look, we're going to listen, right? We're supposed to understand what he said. G- John 17, 18, Jesus said to his father, he says, As you sent me into the world, I also have sent them into the world. Who's he talking about? Just pastors? You can say it because you're condemned anyway, whether you do or not. It's us. You have been saved for a reason. An absolute reason. We are set apart for service. Okay? Here's the modern day viewpoint of church now. This is what it's come. Our Christian walk. In our Christian walk, many believers had bought into the maintaining rather than multiplying. Let's just maintain. Let's hang in there until he comes. Rather than saying, over the wall, let's go and multiply. We're into just kind of maintaining, me, myself, and I. Buy the dried bananas, get some gallons of water, and hang in there. Just barely getting by instead of experiencing his abundance and what he wants to do with you with no dry bananas and no water. You've got to catch this big picture. This trend can and must be broken. Certainly by this church. Look, here it is. It's time for us, all of us, through messages, however, to once again to dig in these great scriptures and honestly ask the Spirit of God for His guidance so that we may know the truth. So you don't wake up 79 and you're too old to do anything for God. Believers, listen. Please listen to me. You are the only Jesus many souls will ever see. You are. The ones that won't come to church or quite don't get it. It's too much into themselves and you work beside them for 20 years. You are the only Jesus 
Many will see. Maybe just one time going through a register at Walmart. Whatever. You really are. Look, John 17, 1, these are going to be the words of the Lord. Hopefully we can slow down a little bit and really look at them. The earthly minister of Christ, his ministry is coming to an end now. He knows it. So in 17.1, Jesus spoke these words. Lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son that your son also may glorify you. He's saying, God, I know it's coming. The end's about here for my time here. And he looked up to heaven and said, God, glorify your son that I may glorify you. Verse 4, he says, I have glorified you on the earth. I have finished the work which you have given me to do. So we can see that this, his earthly ministry, whether they understood it or not, and I'm sure they didn't, was coming to a close, coming to an end. He knew the cross was just before him. Verse 6, look at this. I have manifest your name to the men whom you have given me out of the world. They were yours, you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. That's you and I. He's talking about you and I. Because his word became manifested to you through his work that he did. He brought the news from the Father and said, I have good news. And I'm 10,000 years later, you've seen it and you gave your life to Christ. And so he's talking about you and I. I have manifest. I have made known. I have made it clear your name to the men who you have given me out of the world. That's you and I. Take this personally. He's a personal Savior. He's talking about you and I. Verse 8 says, for I have given to them the words which you have given me. And they have received them. And have known surely that I come forth from you. And that they believe that you sent me. Isn't that true? Don't you believe that? Aren't you saying like Jason said this morning. I know 110% I believe in that word. So he's talking about you and I. Look, look, verse 9, unbelievable. I pray for them. I do not pray for the world, but for those whom you have given me, for they are yours. At this moment, the Lord is praying for you and I. Besides the situation you're in. And it can be dire and gloomy and dark, but God always tells you, seek ye first kingdom of God, the opportunities I send your way. I know what's going on here. I'll take care of it. And God is saying, right now, I'm praying for you. Holy. The Lord is praying for me. Or else this is all balderdash. He's praying for you. 
Maybe right now he's praying, oh God, open their eyes that they can see the big picture. Let there be just another church added to the column that they'll work for me and not treat me as a Santa Claus. In that revelation that we're asking for will come the moves of God. Will come the supernatural of God. Will come the divine appointments and you'll see them instead of blowing by them because you're in a hurry. In that will come the supernatural. In that will come the changing of the atmosphere during worship or seeking God or your own time alone. When you start to see this thing's not about you. Get the big picture. In the beginning years, being a pastor, mixing with other pastors, I would always tell them, hey, you need to drive up to Cracker Barrel. If you have lunch, great. When you're done, go pull up to the fence and look out. That's the city you're called for, that you're called to. I don't care if it doesn't have beaches, it doesn't have oceans, it doesn't have palm trees. That's where you're called. Uh, well, through the years, I've had to go up there and look a few times myself. But we're just flesh. But this is where God has called us. This is where we are. This is where he planted us. God's praying for us to get this to get opportunities. You might just think, i got to run into Walmart, i got to get that thread, i got to get that gallon of milk, and I'll get out. But God could be having you walk right into somebody. We just found out the other day. Uh, my mother is in South Carolina with my sister for a while. She lets a guy store his little boat, fishing boat, in her garage. She don't drive, she don't have a car during the winter months, and he cuts her grass during the summer. It's a perfect little thing, and his backyard touches my mother's backyard. And he's probably, I heard, about 60. And Tiffany just told me he hung himself just a couple days ago. They're all around us, but we don't take time to look because we get caught up in this race, this meaningless race. Here's about the Lord praying for us. Hebrews 7.25 also confirms it. He says, Wherefore, he is able also to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by him, seeing he ever liveth to make intercession for them. God intercedes for us constantly. I don't know how it goes on up there. I don't, I don't know what he says exactly. But maybe he's, he's crying out for, for Kevin right now and saying, Father, the next time Kevin goes to work and he's punching in, there'll be a guy right beside him, Lord, who'll say this, let him respond. Who's, what, why not? We are his vessels. You see, if we don't have the big picture, we just go, and we're off and gone. We're doing something. I got to get my lunchbox. I got to get that truck. We miss the big picture. We don't have that closeness and that tightness yet with God to, to hear the voice. Man, if he ever liveth to intercede, certainly that must stir you. Right now, even 
when you're bummed out and don't even want to think of God, not even interested like we were hearing this morning and God's up there interceding the Lord and saying, Oh Lord, oh God, touch him. Don't let Jason move. Don't let him wander off the path. And you're just going by your everyday business, surfing, TV, whatever. We don't get this big picture. The knowledge that Jesus is praying for us and that he ever lives to pray for us. For what purpose? So we see the big picture and can be used by God. Ask my Ruthie. Anything abnormal, unusual come my way? I got a patent answer. No. It's the truth. Just just going through the uh, commercial things that we saw over Christmas, the answer was no. Even when I felt God inside saying yes, I'm going, no. Intimidating, scary, I don't speak well, it's crazy, TV, oh no. Luke 22 gives us an example of Jesus' intercession for his people. Remember, it says, Simon, Simon, indeed Satan has asked for you that he may sift you as wheat, but I've prayed for you. That's what's going on right now. Whether it's Michelle, Michelle, hang in there, God knows, or whoever. He's praying and seeking God for us so that we can be about our Father's business. How did we turn this glorious, wonderful gospel into a me gospel? I don't know if it can be turned around, but maybe it can just in this church. I think I heard a long time ago and even used it in a message, it takes 45 square miles for an aircraft carrier to be able to turn around. Hard left! It takes 45 square miles to get that thing to turn around. And that's what it just seemed like being a pastor is just hard right. That's it. Just right. We got to turn right because we're always going in the wrong direction. Being led by the flesh instead of the spirit. Jesus prays to strengthen us in trials and attack. You having them? You in trials and being attacked, whether it's financially, physically, mentally, exhausted, can't sleep, walking in the middle of the night, no one knows about it, this thing, that thing, physical attacks. Jesus is up there saying, Audrey, keep singing, keep going on. That's what it says, Simon, Simon. Don't you think God's going, Audrey, Audrey? We are carriers of the presence of Almighty God. We are. The Old Testament, the Levites were chosen to put the presence of God in the ark on their shoulders and off they would walk. It's us now. It's in us. You are the carriers. You are the only Jesus that they will see. Many. I don't know why that man died over in Africa. I don't know. And I didn't. And he did. I don't know why that one suffers and that one's gone. and that, I don't know. All I know is we are called to carry the presence of God. Godly. 
carrying the presence, the holy presence of God, and not putting it down for what your buddies at any given moment. Oh, yeah. Calling, making yourself a servant to the most holy high God. Putting under the desires of the flesh. For the gospel's sake. Who does that? Where are they at? John 17, 15, getting back to what Jesus said. Listen, I do not pray that you should take them out of the world. Ah, that's the first thing we do. God, get me out of here. Get me out of this situation. This lousy boss. This marriage. This whatever. And the Lord says, oh, I pray. I pray for my people. But I do not pray that you should take them out of the world, but that you should keep them from the evil one. That's what he prays. Satan, enough. As you're in it. Carry the presence of God. How is that lady or man doing that with the pressure and stress they're under? God's going to reflect his life through you to the others. I mean, do you remember the opening text. Paul said, I know I'm free. I'm free from all. If I want to, I could. He said, I can. I have made myself a servant to all that I might win more of them. Paul's eyes were on winning them. That's the big picture. This prayer of the Lord cautions us against retreating in Christian isolation. My cave door is open for one more. Run, Jan, run. Bring your bananas. Get in. That's not what... That's not. Our goal is to be in the world, but not of it. This is the big picture. I, I, I hope you can see it. It might not be one that you'll shout and jump up and down and say, oh yeah, count me in. Because I know our flesh. But this is the true gospel. This is really Christianity. Verse 16 says, They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. Separate them, consecrate them for the work of God by the word. Because this is truth. This is what the Lord is saying. And then 18 then brings it out again. As you sent me into the world, I also have sent them into the world. This is your mission. Every one of you. Now listen to this. Your current job is there just to sustain you through your ultimate mission. It's not your life. It's just a job that sustains you so that you can carry out your ultimate mission. 
bringing glory to the presence of God. Being used by God to usher in somebody who has never sensed the presence of God. You carry it in to work. The job is just the blessings that God gives you so that you can continue His work. Really? I know how we think. You'll say, oh, I'm a truck driver. No, 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 you're not. You're a servant. I'm a bank teller. No, you're, you're a servant. I'm a teacher. No, you're a servant of the Most High God. I'm just a housewife. No. This is our mission. And 19 absolutely blows me away, and these people almost don't exist anymore. 19 says, and for their sakes, I sanctify myself, that they also may be sanctified by the truth. For your sakes, I don't go boozing. You, won't, you, you might find me in Applebee's having a sandwich. You won't find me having one wine and a beer. For your sakes. Oh, yes. And I was a drinker years and years ago. Jesus said, sanctify yourself. And he said, I sanctified myself that they also may be sanctified by the truth. New Living Translation says it. And I give myself as a holy sacrifice for them so they can be made holy by your truth. I probably could have a beer. What would that do to Jessica who's known me since she's been tiny? It could destroy her. So I say, absolutely not for those whom God loves. Oh, absolutely. I'm just using that topic because that one bugs me the most. Because they're into that, I can do what I want. Where are the poles? No, no. I have made myself a servant to all that I might win the more. First Corinthians nine twenty seven lays it out pretty good. He said, But I keep under my body and bring it into subjection, lest that by any means when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. Sitting in a restaurant today, waiting for a little buzzer to go off. Sitting there kind of just minding my own business, and all of a sudden I heard, hello. I think I answered hello, but I was like, it was walking out with another wife, a different woman. I'm like, what? And I said to Ruth, don't people realize they're all going to stand before God one day? God says, through the scriptures, through Paul, I keep under. That word can be uh, defined as discipline, which is almost a little weak translation. If you look it up, it says that word means your body, your old man, when it wants to flare up, 
It means to strike under the eye, to give yourself a black arm. <laughs> you will not act or live like that. That'd be a good ministry, huh, Audrey? Anybody I send to your house, you'll know, Audrey. <laughs> Come in. Damn. See ya. Hope you live better. Audrey would be perfect that day. That's what that means. You have to get a little beside the chuckle. That's what it means. Paul said, I'll punch myself in the face if I start acting like a fool. Paul didn't want his body to lord over him or his old man to lord over the testimony of God. He said, I would rather punch it. That word under also means to beat black and blue. That's what you're to do to that old body, that old nature. You're not to let it step one side over. You're not. Now we do. I don't know whether because we don't get the big picture. We don't understand. But he says, but I keep under. My body, which means the old man. I keep under the old man. I'll give that old man a beating if he dares to raise his head and bring it into subjection. That means that the spiritual person brings the old man under subjection. He is my slave. When he says, look, look at that girl. I said, no, I will not. Everybody's drinking. You're the last pastor that doesn't. You bring those thoughts. They are your slave. You are not theirs. Now, you know the pull of slavery and how the flesh wants to roll over. Even when you're not even thinking of anything or even contemplating, you just turn the corner, something's right there, and you got to go. Man, that was close. You have to, for the sake of the others. Absolutely. What would you do? It came on the news. Pastor of New Hope Church caught in a prostitute sting. What would you do sitting at home? What would you do? The Lord says, I keep myself back for their sakes. Because God wants to give us opportunities that we see the big picture and can win them. Bring it into subjection is literally to lead about as a slave. No, no, flesh. No, 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 no. Only thing you're allowed to do is die. That's all I'm going to permit you to do is die daily. Because it's like a bad penny won't go away. So he has to die daily. The roaming eyes, the minds. You cannot keep filthy thoughts 
They just come from nowhere, wherever. And I always tell folks that if we have to go down that road in my office, I'll say it's like my office is our mind, and my door is the entrance to our mind. And thoughts come down my hallway. I can't see who they are. I don't know if it's Ruth coming down my hallway or Teresa telling me or one of my sons to say something. I don't know who's coming down the hallway. And if there's a knock, then I open it up. And if it's a foul, filthy thought, I've got to deal with it. Or I could say, oh, come on in. Sin when I do that. Or slam the door in its face. In the name of the Lord, I will not. I didn't stop drinking 40 years ago and yet have bottles of booze in my desk at work when it becomes a bad day, another red-letter day. I'm not going to crack open. Or if I was hooked on pornography and I got one of them hidden under my stacks of concordances for when I don't feel like it. No. you got to take it. <sighs> sanctify. I love that. He, the Lord tells us, I give myself as a holy sacrifice for them so that they can be made total. They can be made holy by your truth. Now, he expects you to do that. No matter where you're at. Filthy language is there. Blankety blank, 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 Pat. Yeah, blanky, blank, blank. <laughs> what? I mean, you can't stop it. It's just there. But God says, don't you act like that. Do like I have done. So that you'll have opportunity to win them. I guarantee you, however strong, and I hope it's strong, your testimony, you have no idea when or wherever it might happen. Sometime, all of a sudden, somebody will going to come up around you when they're alone. And they're going to start spilling their guts. My wife is dying of cancer. My child has run away. Because of the sphere of influence and taking in a presence. They notice it, whether they ever say it. Sanctify yourself so that you can possibly, by the truth, reach them. Where are those people? I'd like to think they're sitting right here. That you'll suffer. That others might have opportunity to hear or to listen. You'll suffer embarrassment and laughter. You, <laughs> don't make you fool. This is the big picture. We paint these fairy tales in our heads. If God wants you to have a fairy tale ending, He will. In fact, we all do, really. It's not a fairy tale, though, but it's truth. No matter how we leave this earth, God has prepared a place for us. He's told us that in the Word. Whether you die of an insane raid over in Africa or in a car wreck on the way home, or of a ripe old age. What's it matter? Why are we afraid? It's just that second part of us that lives.
That old nature tries to scare us. So dumb. Matthew 5, 16 says this. Let your light so shine before men. Remember what I used to always tell you? It was always kind of sort of a joke, but haven't made any in a long time. T-shirts, New Hope T-shirts. What would I used to tell you? If you're going to act like a donkey, don't wear the shirt. Or please cover it up, white it out. If you're going to go off because they didn't give you $2.50 change back or they forgot your cheeseburger at McDonald's, please go in like this. Get out of my cheeseburger, you fool! God says, let your light so shine before men. Let it shine before men. This is the way it should be done. Uh, we went to a, a restaurant the other day. It was one, two, three, four, and the baby. So it was five of us, but four adults eating. Full-blown meals, you know, that can run into some money. Finally get to the end. The waitress walks up and says, you're all free to go. Someone paid for your meal. I'm like, what? Who, where, who is it? They're gone. They left. That's the way you do it. They had no idea who. I'll never know until maybe let God tells me. Or if you're waiting for me to, after the service, ooh, it was me. <laughs> you, you blew your reward. <laughs> That's Christianity. Not saying, who was it? And, and you go. <laughs> the big picture is just doing it. Maybe whoever was prompted by God. Ruth and I sat there and we said, I didn't see a soul that I knew here. I have no idea. Place was packed. And we're driving home. Ruth's just praying, God bless whoever that. He knows. The real Christianity is what we've got to have. That's the only thing that's going to work out there in that insane world as it gets worse is you bringing the presence he understands the best opportunities is in the trials when they expect you to act like everybody acts, to respond. And you have to say, you know what? I'm going to die to that for the chance that I might be able to win this guy someday. You never know. You could just be going into the hospital to see your brand new baby or something and you bump into somebody that you sort of worked with or knew 22 years ago and you might say, and you look at him, you walk up, hey, how you doing? What are you doing here? And the head goes down. I just lost my... And there you are on the scene. The big picture. Get yourself out of the picture and say it's for others. 
Oh, I hope that this church would do that. May your light so shine before men that they may see your good works. The waitress, maybe she's as lost as can be, saw the good works. Saul was totally surprised and shocked, and she knows she had to get the money. Maybe she went home and said, geez, first time in my life there was a, a bill of about 60 bucks and someone paid it for these people. He didn't want to even be known, or she didn't even want to be known. It starts to move on people. Good works, kindness, almost non-existent anymore in our nation. God says, this is how you let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Glory. The purpose of light is to illuminate. Is it not? Lights. Where there's darkness. That's your job. Don't put a shade over it because you've got issues and problems and you're... Take the shade off. The purpose of light is to illuminate and expose what really is there. And you bring the presence of God. Instead of calling it stupid job, I got to go tomorrow, the salt mines, I hate that. You're bringing the presence of God in there. Where do you think God's going to put the light? Probably beside the darkest heart boss in the hospital or wherever you work. That's who needs it. Let's stand, please. When you come to this altar, <clears throat> leave the me in the pew and just come and say, Lord, would you help me to be a servant to all? Not just the nice ones, good-looking ones, the ones with money. No, Lord, can you help me to be, make me a servant to all that I might have opportunity to win them for you? no matter who they are, where they are. I actually was losing it, standing in the front pew, trying not to weep real hard when I saw those girls go to the altar. Ruth went to them and said, you girls need prayer? They said, no, we just want to worship. And they're just worshiping God with so many issues. And I thought, Lord, they've been in this church about a month, counting all the Sundays together, and here they are already going to the altar, walking just to worship you. I said, Lord, give me a church of those people that will just come out of gratitude. Please get the big picture. Become servant to all. Booth, would you please place something so that we could seek the Lord here and then close. Altars open. Please come. Talk to the one who owns you. The one who died for you. The one who loves you. The one who sacrificed everything for your sake to know the truth.
And now he wants to send you where he once walked. 